you know how these days especially people have a lot on their mind right it seems what clarity is is a simple understanding that can take things off your mind automatically without you having to do anything so you have the uh, presence and freedom and confidence to do what you need to do and have a beautiful life Uh, well, how excited am I today? So um, super excited, delighted, honoured that uh, we've got a very special guest in the studio today. Uh, I'll introduce him in a second, but I'm a big fanboy of my guest. So it's Jamie Smart. Now, Jamie is, um, I think, quite a prolific author now. We're going to talk about his new book in a second. And I'm a follower, it's kind of in the back, really. And I'm an admirer. So I'm not a rah-rah, Jamie, you're all over it, but quietly following in the background, learning loads from him and being hugely inspired by him. So, Jamie, welcome, mate, and thank you for being, making the effort to get into the studio. No, it's a pleasure to be here. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Okay, fabulous. Now, I'm, and you've arrived with no notes, mate. I mean, how do you know what you're going to say when you've got... Uh, look at me with my notes. I've got no idea. don't know what you're going to ask, do I? So <laughs> well, I could bring the wrong bloody notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, obviously I've got Jamie's new book here. So if you're watching this, I, you know, it's called Clarity. Um, clear mind, better performance, bigger results. I was delighted actually to get a, a sneaky preview. So Jamie sent me the PDF before it actually um, before it came out. So I thought we'd chew the fat around that, mate, around the new book. Um, and I, obviously, my first question is a cheeky little question because this is version two of Clarity. So has Clarity got clearer, Jamie? It's definitely got clearer to me. Like when I wrote the first edition ten years ago. I was a few years into this understanding and it had like profoundly changed my life and my work with clients. And I was just blown away by this understanding. So we'll come back to what this understanding is in a minute, right? Yeah. But 10 years later, I've had 10 years to road test it, to uh, put it through its paces, to have more of my own insights and, and to see you know, all the different places where it shows up. So yeah, it's it's got clearer to me. Yeah, right. And it, as a reader, because I love Clarity One mm. and I love results through the book that you did uh, and the little book of Clarity. So it's kind of been morphing over the years. Is this 10 years old? Is 10, yeah, 10, wow. 10 anniversary yeah, edition. Yeah. That was impressive. Congrats on that. Because um, I'm coming at it, right? Like, we'll come on to Clarity and what it all is and the three principles and Sid Banks and all that in a second. But as an I'm an academic, mate, right? I'm a... I've got a PhD, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 took, yeah it took me 12 years, so I'm not very clever. But I did grind it out at Loughborough. And I was in positive psychology. And therefore, I like, as an academic, I describe academia like it's like a whack-a-mole principle. Mm -hmm. So what an academic does is come up with something new that inches something forward, a new theory. And then all the other, and they put it out there. Then all the other academics come and whack it, whack them up, going, "No, that's not right. Yeah, yeah. That's not right. And therefore, you, then, then the new one comes forward and, and gradually... Through the whack-a-mole process, academia inches its way forward. Mm. And then we come to the three principles, which has also blown my mind. And you can't whack it. It's, it's, there isn't anything like, tell me, let's go back to the three principles. What, tell me about what clarity, the, the bedrock of clarity is. And yeah. So, so, well, you know how these days, especially, people have a lot on their mind, right? Yeah. It seems. What clarity is, is a simple understanding that can take things off your mind automatically without you having to do anything. So you have the uh, 
uh, presence and freedom and confidence to do what you need to do and have a beautiful life. So that's what that's, that's that's cool. Just the way, just talking to you makes me relax, mate. You've got this kind of, <laughs> this way of talking, which is brilliant. Right, on, on that, I'm going to come back, obviously come back to that. But as soon as you say something, it sparks something in my head about people having too much on their mind. We did some work with, um, with some training, one of the supermarket chains. And one of their managers told me that <laughs> sales of oranges have fallen by 40% in the last five years, right? Because people haven't got time to peel them. They are, it's like, it's too, it's too much effort. Or you haven't got time in your day to get your vitamin C. So, I mean, that's how stupidly busy, I mean, it's a ridiculous example, but that in terms of being crazy, busy, crazy, busy, and, and the weight of the world on your mind and having too many things to think about, I'm, I'm with you on that. Mm -hmm. So... So how can you have less on your mind? How can you let that weight drop? Well, well, the funny thing is, like, the, and and the book opens with a quote from Herbert Simon. He said, yeah. "What information consumes is rather obvious. It consumes the attention of its recipients." Yeah. And so, what we what we've got moment to moment, like the quality of our life, in a way, is the quality of our attention. If you, if, you know, you have two Agreed. people go on this beautiful holiday to this amazing vacation spot. One person's there totally soaking it up, having a beautiful experience. The other person's preoccupied with something. And so they have, they have that experience yeah. instead. So my assertion is that you actually have an innate capacity to clear your mind. It's built in. And I've, I've asked people all over the world, thousands of people, the same question. I've asked this to uh, military personnel, prison inmates, CEOs, uh, uh, homemakers, therapists, coach. When do you get your best ideas? And the answer is always the same. Driving to and from work, out for a walk, uh, on holiday, uh, just before I drop off to sleep, when I wake up first thing in the morning. In the shower. In the shower. Yeah, yeah. People get their best ideas when there's nothing on their mind, when their mind is at rest, and that's a built-in quality. So the, the interesting question actually becomes, okay, what is it that puts all that stuff on our mind then? And yeah. my, again, my assertion is the thing that puts stuff on our mind is what I'm calling the outside-in misunderstanding, which is the mistaken belief that we're feeling something other than kind of the energy of life moment to moment. Okay, so... So we, because <laughs> mate, I'm absolutely with you on all this. Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely with you. Yeah. And I, and this has been a massive revolution and an evolution for me as well. And yet I still struggle to articulate what we're talking about here, right? So what I think we're saying here is that for the vast majority of people wandering this planet, it really, really seems like I'm a person in here and you're out there. There's a world out there. And I'm looking at that world through these little glass eyes on reality out there. And that's how mo the vast majority of people go their entire life in that simple misunderstanding that, that, that that's out there and I'm in here. Whereas what inside out, what's inside out thinking then? Well, so, so what you said is spot on. It, not only do most people experience it like that, that's how it looks to me most of the time. Like I'm sitting oh, here, sorry. it looks to me like I'm looking out through windows in my head and you're over there and the camera's over there and that sort of thing. And that's pretty practical. Like just coming here, I drove here and I walked here and that yeah. sort of thing. If it didn't look like that, yeah. I would have run into a bunch of stuff. So I'm glad that it looks like that. Right. 
But what's actually going on is like, it doesn't work like that. This is old neurology. This is like 170 years old. A guy called Hermann Helmholtz discovered that actually what's going on is data is pouring in through our senses. And then we're creating a guess at what's out there. Our, our deeper uh, physiological and neurological and psychological properties kind of go, okay, based on all this data that's coming in, what must be out there? So we've all had that experience. You're walking down the street and you see your friend and you start waving at them and, and then they get a little closer and you realize it's not them and you pretend you're <laughs> scratching their head or something. Well, it's not like you're, it's not like you went, I bet there's a 50% chance that's Bobby. I'm going to start waving. No, you saw Bobby. And then when they got a little closer, you're like, I never met that person in my life. Like your your system took a guess at what was yes. out there, then presented it to you as reality. And this is going on 100% of the time, no exceptions. It's how our neurology is generating our experience. So moment to moment, 100% of our felt experience is being generated from within using this power to create a 3D virtual reality. And I, I call that power the principle of thought. Okay, my mind has already been blown, but I don't want to lose the, I don't want to lose the viewers who might not be quite down the rabbit hole as far as you are. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to come out of the rabbit hole a little bit there because essentially we're saying there is no reality. It's all created from within. So I might come back to that. Well, I, I'm not necessarily right, saying it. that. I'm, okay. I, I think like I'm drinking this glass of water right now. For, for listeners, I've got a glass of water. Um, I think there's a glass of water, like for practical purposes, that's yeah. the case. But my experience of it is being created from within. The visual experience of yes. it, the sound when I put it on the table, the the tactile sensory experience of it, that experience is being created from within. But if we go down the David Eagleman route, he says, what what does your brain see, hear, and feel, right? And and of course, the answer to that is nothing because your brain is enclosed in a, in a dark, silent chamber. Right, so what we've got as human beings is these sensory organs that absolutely allow us to best guess what's out there. So the sound of the water going on the table there is this molecules vibrating that your <laughs> your ears are detecting and turning into the sound of water on a table. Right, so I'm with you. You are you, and 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 the smell of the seaside is. is is but a bunch of molecules that are floating out there that are your olfactory senses detect and create that smells like the seaside. So essentially everything is, you, you, we are best guessing what's out there. Sure. Um, but if we go back to non-duality, um, which essentially says that there is no out there, you, you know, this is getting very deep very quickly actually, I wish I'd maybe backtracked, <laughs> right? But you aren't out there there is no you as such there is essentially everything is energy. right here's my thing right everything yeah. is it's just energy <laughs> it's just a seething mass of energy out there in the universe mm. and we are part of that energy system for sure right all right yeah um and the only way that 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 form comes into being is entirely created in in your head so there is you are just a bunch of energy that until i look at you i create Jamie Smart. Your experience of it, but yes. I promise you, You're before there anyway. I bumped into you in the street, <laughs> you I was, was having you an was experience. Still there. So <laughs> I, it looks to me like there's something going on there. We can make claims about what it is, but God knows what it is. Yeah. Uh, can I give you my favorite Go example of non-duality? Yeah. So my girlfriend's got this little dog called Jack. He's a little black and gray uh, uh, jackerpoo. And every night at a certain time when it gets dark out, 
he catches sight of his reflection in the French windows at the end of the living room and goes running towards it, barking and leaps into the air to attack this dog that he can see in the window. <laughs> Bumps into the window, falls to the floor, and then struts away like he's the. He's he, done I showed yeah. that guy, yeah. and every night I would laugh when he did that, yeah. and I'd be like, "That little dog doesn't realize that that's him." And then I was sitting there one day, and I realized, "Oh no, that's not him. That's an image of him from a distance." And what you and I, there's this, there's this experiment, you can, you can watch a video of it on YouTube, famous psychology experiment called the, uh, the Rouge Test. And what they do is they take yeah. a little baby, sit him in front of a mirror, and then they cover the mirror mm. and they dab rouge on their face and then they reveal the mirror again. Up until I think six or eight months old, the child's non-reactive, maybe even older, maybe even a year, the child's mm. non-reactive. And then at a certain age, once they see the rouge, they do that. But until then, they haven't identified themselves with that third person perspective mm. on themselves. Now, what ha it's interesting, you mentioned Sidney Banks. He would refer to the ego as just an image of self-importance. Use those words. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I suddenly realized we learn that who we are is that third person perspective on ourselves, but that's not who you are. Who you are isn't you from three feet away or a meter away or 10 feet mm. away. Who you are to yourself, who you were born being is who you are from zero millimeters away. And what we've done is we've been taught that who we are is that third person perspective, the mirror image and that's not who we are to ourselves and so from a non-dual perspective how it looks to me is that who we are is who we are to ourselves and then who we think we are is that mirror image but that ain't you that thing that's aging over time and that sometimes wakes up and you think i'm top of the world and other times think i'm a no good yeah. you know what like that's a that's an image of self. It's not who you really are. Just dramatic pause. Just at that point, it's not who you really are. Um, if I'm brave enough, I'll come back to who you really are. Meantime, back to Sid. You've mentioned I've mentioned Sid Banks. You've mentioned Sid Banks. Sid, I think, gets a mention in Clarity. Mm -hmm. Also, if I'm going to talk about my own book, I've got a book called The Little Book of Being Brilliant, which is the book that I've written that is closest aligned to Clarity. So I thought I'd bring it along. So Sid, for those who don't know, Sid Banks was a, just a normal Scottish bloke uh, who had a, an insight, an epiphany, whatever you want to call it, that changed his life. Mm -hmm. And then the last 20 years of his life, he went around just talking about it and sort of had almost like disciples, really. Mm -hmm. um, he created quite a following. And Sid, so I've revisited Sid's work time and time again. Um, and Sid says, don't don't listen to my words. He says, listen to the feeling, look for the feeling. Mm. Well, and for years I didn't get that. I think I'm beginning to get that now. What's your take on, don't listen to my words, listen for the feeling? Well, what, what Sid was pointing to, and I think something that, that's really profound actually, is he realized that every human being has an innate capacity for insight and realization, like it's built into us. And, not only is it built into us, it's what we use when we're little to create our understanding of the world. And so all of us have had countless realizations. And, and a realization 
is, is a word that basically means your ideas about the world have come closer into alignment with reality. So Sid knew that the only thing that was going to make a difference to someone was their own insights, their own realizations. And what he saw was that one realization could profoundly transform your life. Mm. That's what happened to me, right? Like I'm exploring this work back in 2009. First insight, oh, everything you've been looking for outside of you can only be found within. It's already there within you. Well, so not talking about cool shoes and holidays. I'm talking about uh, resilience, yeah. peace of mind, well-being, all that sort of stuff. The moment I realized that, my life was transformed. So the mystics have been talking about that in India and China for yeah. Confucius for years. And I'd read them and heard yeah, them and too. that sort of thing. The thing that, like, one way of looking at it is what Sid Banks saw was what the mystics have seen yeah. over millennia. The things Sid had that those other guys didn't have was he had the metaphor of scientific principles. Yeah. So you mentioned yeah. academia and whack-a-mole or what they yeah. do is make incremental movements. They yeah. do. They make incremental movements on a paradigm. And, par and then Great. once in a while, there's a paradigm shift where a new foundation is established for academia to then wor yeah. work incrementally yeah. forward on it. Well, realizing this as scientific principles, scientific, quote unquote, as, as principles, something that's already true, was a game changer because at least how it looks to me is that uh, was interesting. In the, in the final chapter of Clarity, the new, new chapter, I wrote about an email I got from an army veteran. She said, I've had PTSD for yeah. 10 years. Yeah. And she said, uh, I've just read your book, Clarity, and I don't have PTSD anymore. She said, in 10 years of therapy and medication and all that sort of stuff, no one ever said to me, there's nothing wrong with you. You work perfectly. There's nothing wrong with you. And I did a follow-up with her six years later. She's like, still good. Well, this uh, takes me to a quote that I, I read uh, pretty much from Clarity, I think. It says, where the, the problem often isn't the problem. The problem is the fundamental misunderstanding of how the human being operates. So PTSD, again, my understanding, I mean, and this sounds, this, this sounds a bit harsh for people who think they've got PTSD, so don't want to make enemies out here. But essentially, PTSD is a recurring thought that brings back images and experiences as if you were there at the time. So yeah. you've, normally it's army stuff, isn't it? So you come back from Iraq and you can't sleep and you're having flashbacks. And if you think about what that actually is and how traditional therapy would deal with that would be sit, sit yourself down and tell me about the trauma from mm. 20 years ago. And every time you think of that trauma in this moment, you are reliving that trauma. And so most people go to therapy and relive the same trauma over and over and over again. So Sid says it's therapy's like going in the shower to dry off. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, does it? So, but a fundamental understanding, I think, that you're saying here, and that Sid is saying, and that clarity is all about, and I'm hanging on to the coattails of, um, is that that traumatic event is over. The only place it's alive is in your thinking in this moment. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And what I would say is, because having worked with people who have been through traumatic experience, often it's kind of encoded in a, ha a yeah. habitual set of 
thoughts, feelings, well, they're, muscles, they're wired, contractions, the neurons are wired sort of together. Yeah, and and so what I've seen when people heal from that, there's often a physical shift as well yeah. as as a psychological yeah. shift. So they, I I don't want to in any way to minimize the experience people are going through when they've yes. got you know severe uh, traumatic diagnoses and that sort of thing. But what I do want to say is that that can be profoundly cleared with a single realization, a yes. single insight. Uh, uh, well, uh, that's where I'm absolutely with you on that. I makes no sense for me. Makes no sense. And uh, therapy, traditional therapists don't really like me. I did once did a, a session to a bunch of psychologists and they they didn't like me at all because um, essentially I was telling them they've got it all backwards and they're doing it all wrong, which isn't a great message for them. And they spent 40 years learning that. Uh, but going back and un what we seem to be traditional theory, go back and unpick the trauma or mm. or rethink how you think about it. And clarity says you don't have to do that. All clarity is just the fundamental understanding that that's how emotions operate. Is your understanding that you are the thinker? That it's not what mm. you're thinking. Uh, it's the fundamental understanding that you've created that thought and you are the thinker. And that fact alone, and it's worked with me to be fair. That fact alone has led me to live a much calmer life the right last on. five years and more in love with the people closest to me, more in love with life itself because mm. I am I know that I'm creating that experience. Mm. It sounds a bit woo-woo, but it's, it's it, I tell you what, Jamie, it's so simple and so profound and so difficult to explain, uh, which is why I like you, which is why I like you and wanted to get you in here because I think you're explaining it better than anybody else on the planet. Uh, do you listen to Rupert Spira? I have Rupert. listened to Rupert, yeah. I, I keep listening to Ru Rupert. We're going to get Rupert in here one day, That's... right? Rupert, I listen to every single podcast Rupert does on the on the assumption that one day I might understand something he's on about. But every time, half an hour later, nope. <laughs> Over my head again, Rupert. Because he's genius, but he can't, he doesn't explain it to a mere mortal like me. Whereas I think you do, right? You do, and Michael Neal does, and all that, those crowd do. Here's a qu the question that started my PhD. So back in the day, Traditional psychology, that's what I'd learned. That's what I thought I knew. Um, I was doing whatever all the other psychologists did. Phobias, disorders, anxiety, depression. Mm. Tell me about your problem. Let's sort it out. Um, then I read, I, I think it was Robert Holden's book. Um, and he, he posed a question. Could you be happier even if nothing in the world around you changed? And that that's kind of slightly throwaway sentence really resonated with me. Yeah. Like, could you, because I started to think in my little head, it's like, could you be, it's not a trick question, but you let it rattle around a couple of times. Could you be happy even nothing in the world around you changed? My answer to me, Jamie, was yes. And that was a sort of admission, if you like, a slightly guilty admission that the world didn't need to change. The world wasn't going to change to accommodate mm -hmm. me. I had the potential to be happier. And yet I wasn't being and therefore my real my clarity my penny dropping was therefore the biggest thing standing in the way of me feeling amazing was actually me so that was my way into the three p's and um sid's work and your work and michael neal's work and all that but could you be happy so the big we're the biggest barrier to our own um happiness so let, let me come to my gripe i've just got i've Go got two it. two gripes right first first one is about um traditional therapy that I've already articulated is like going back into people's past to try and fix their past, all right, which doesn't make any sense because that's gone. What you need to do is just understand how you create feelings now by thinking about stuff. And, and a lot of it will go. My biggest gripe with, my only gripe really, with um, the principle stuff and with the clarity stuff is 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but last time you were on our podcast or last time I spoke to you or last time I listened to your own podcast, you said that there are no techniques. So you, you didn't want to give, you weren't going to give me anything to do. You were just trying to get, you're trying to create an environment where insight happens. And once I get it, then I'll fall in love with life. I'll understand how it works and I'll live a better life. Mm -hmm. But there are no techniques. My gripe with that, and you're coming from an uh, NLP background, which mm -hmm. is full of techniques. I'm coming out from positive psychology that's full of techniques. Is It seems to be from the three principles community, there's a wide community out there who are, are all into clarity, and, and which I love, is that, um, how am I going to articulate this? Thoughts come randomly into your head. And I don't think they do. I think, and this is why I kind of quite, I don't really like NLP, but I get the point of NLP and positive psychology. Mm. If you can source a better thought, and if you've got a continual stream of gratitude, love, kindness thoughts, you there's techniques that you can do. So gratitude lists will help you source a better thought. Um, some NLP techniques like reframing will help you consistently rethink the thoughts that are, they're not randomly popping into, well, they are randomly popping into your head, but you've got a better chance of, you can do things that will give you a better chance of having a better thought. Is that not a technique? <laughs> Where are <laughs> your they techniques? sound like techniques, but let me, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm perhaps clearer on my position on this than, than I was last time we spoke. I've got nothing to say about what people do. <laughs> like if you think about it, yeah. if you think about something like physics, yeah. physics, doesn't care what people do. You can use, yeah. if you understand the principles of physics, you can use that to build a hospital or to build a bomb or to build a car or to build, physics doesn't care. So I've got nothing to say mm. about how people use this understanding. It's uh, my, my books and my work is primarily focused on uh, helping people to see that this is going on. That this understanding yes. exists, but when I'm when I'm uh, coaching people, I'm using all my skills that I've developed over twenty five yeah. years as a coach, therapist, trainer, that sort of thing, and I'm employing all of that yeah. okay. real time. That sort of thing. And when I teach coaches, I might teach them different, you know, different aspects of what I'm doing or how they can do this, that, or the other. But I've got nothing to say about what people should or shouldn't do. So if it makes sense to you to write gratitude lists, fill your boots. If yeah. it makes sense to you to do a vision board or to meditate or to do techniques, yeah. fill your boots. I got It's none of my business what you do. What I'm interested in is teaching, and, and how I, what people ask me what my job description is, uh, is very simple. My, my job is to help create the conditions for people to have the insights and realizations that are gonna change their life. And so I found the more clear I am on that yes. and leading people into that yes. possibility, the easier it is to do yes. that. So that's what I'm up to, but I got nothing to say about what anyone else should or shouldn't do. Okay, okay. So your job is to create the environment where they have the insight, the realization, and then what they do with that is up to them. Yeah. I love it. I, yeah, I like that, I like that. Okay, well, we've had the kind of you know time up things, but I mean, it's too you're too valuable to to let you let you let you slip away. So, um, the, just one one last thing, and then maybe finish with the story, is one of the other things I looked at in my research. So my research at Loughborough was essentially 
And instead of looking at illness, I decided to look at wellness. My yeah. slightly counterintuitive question was, who are the people who aren't ill? Who are the people who are already flourishing? Who are the ones yeah. who are feeling amazing? Who, and not only who are they, but what are they doing that allows them to feel amazing? Uh, and thirdly, that we share on our team is like, what can we then learn from them that we can apply to ourselves? So we might also have a chance of having a spring and a step and a smile on our face in a world that's hell-bent on knocking it out of us, right? So that was my starting point, looking at what is working rather than what isn't working. Um, and one of the angles that I went on was, if you're feeling amazing now, and I think, again, this is so clarity, really. If It's kind of obvious, but if you're feeling amazing right now, of course, that's good for you right now, but it also positively impacts on your past and your future. So you, the, the good feeling now, so if you're feeling amazing in this moment, all of a sudden, all your past isn't so bad after all. Uh -huh. uh, did, you know, those mistakes, well, they were learning opportunities. And if you're feeling amazing right now, your future is like, seems doable, it seems bright. But if you're on a downer, if you're, and there's a lot of people listening to this and watching this are in a bad place right now. Mm -hmm. The world is, there's a shortage of happiness in the world. If you're upset in this moment or angry in this moment, all of a sudden your past looks bleak. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. It's no wonder, mm. you know, I'm I'm not happy now because I've made all those mistakes. And the future, the dreams you've got, you're like, oh, well, I'll never achieve those. Mm. So actually clarity in this moment opens up a happier past and a happier future. And I think that's so powerful mm. is that it time travels. So I, I don't know what, it's not a question. It's just like a... <laughs> Sort of thought it was sort of trying to tap in with what I know with what what you're writing about there. Well, I really like it, and and the thing the thing that I've found to be incredibly helpful is knowing that even when I am having a low a low morning yeah. or whatever it might be, I just know that that can change in a heartbeat. Like yes. it used to look yes. to me, Andy, like yes. I would I would be having exactly what you described. I'd, wake up in a bad mood or or whatever it might be. And I'd be like, oh, well, that's because of all those things that happen and that's because the future is so bleak and da, 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 da. Yeah. And that looked real to me. Yeah. Now I know that if I'm in that feeling, that's just letting me know about where my head's at. And that's really useful to know because then I'm like, okay, well, I'll just get on with my day. And before long, it's shifted. Yes, yes. You've not spent all day being upset. You've, you've we're back to Sid's thing about you, looking for the feeling because the feeling it's thing is the feeling the way you're feeling is a 100% barometer of how you're thinking so if you're not feeling it there's you, you've got some adjustments making you thinking okay I mean it's so cool mate and we could I could go on forever and I've got lots of notes here I, I'm just back from Thailand I, I mean I know it's a very famous golden Buddha story but um it did make it into one of my books so I'm just going to retell it um it's and I went to Thailand. I went to the Royal Palace in. You've probably been to Bangkok. Yeah. It's an amazing city, actually. Yeah. Now it wasn't thirty years ago, but I revisited it thirty years later, and it's amazing. So Bangkok right now, and there was a particular golden Buddha. There's a lot of Buddhas. There's a lot of Buddhas and a lot of temples. We got a bit temple down. Tens of thousands. Oh man, everywhere. Yeah. In in the, actually, it's in a place called Wat Po in in um, in Bangkok is this little golden Buddha. It's about six foot tall. It's rock solid gold. And, the, and there's a bit of a lump of clay sits beside the Buddha. And first time I went, I saw it and I didn't get it. This time I specifically went and made a beeline to see the golden Buddha. Because the backstory is that that rock-solid golden Buddha used to be in some monastery in the jungle up in northern Thailand. Uh, the monks were looking after it. And they heard that there was some bandits and robbers who were coming to raid the temple. So they thought, well, we don't want to lose the Buddha. So they caked it in a, about a foot of clay. Mm -hmm. So disguised the golden Buddha as a clay Buddha because they thought that nobody's going to steal a clay Buddha. 
And kind of good news and bad news. So the good news is the plan worked and nobody's, the, the, the rebels just thought we don't need a clay Buddha. But all the monks were, bad news, all the monks were slaughtered. So nobody knew right. there was gold in the Buddha. So 100 years later, a bunch of archaeologists, I'm thinking Indiana Jones, comes through the jungle. It's all overgrown. And they see the clay Buddha and they think that'll look really good in our museum. So they try and winch it onto their wagon to take it back to Bangkok. But of course, it's, they think it's clay. It's about 10 tonnes. It falls to the floor, little crack in the clay and the gold shines through. Mm. And obviously the rest of the thing is like they then spend two days chipping off all the clay to reveal the golden Buddha that now sits in Wat Po in Bangkok. And I think I love that as a metaphor because I think what clarity is getting at and what the three principles is getting at is that we're all the gold Buddha. Mm. We've, that's how we started. We are this pure, amazing, radiating shining brilliant human being that gradually gets covered over with layers and layers of thinking and mm. and we have to behave how other people think we should behave and we learn to dress and we learn to put ourselves down and we learn to think negatively so i think what your book does and hopefully what our work also does is like chipping away <laughs> chipping away at the clay mm. to get back to who we truly are is what you said earlier yeah, yeah. who are we really mm. we are the golden Buddha. I, I just love that story. And the thing that strikes me is, yeah, when people read Clarity, that will help chip away, but it really helps to know that it's already there. I, otherwise, yes. you just go Beautiful. around chipping at all those other books that don't have gold in them. All right, all right. So it's like knowing it's already there. <laughs> oh, that's the key. You take the story and the metaphor and stretch it to somewhere beautiful. I love it. I love it. Well, I'll stretch it even further then because I think that understanding that everybody else is also the golden Buddha. Yeah. So what you're doing with clarity and with your with your coaching is helping other people chip off, you know, and get back to who we truly are. Yeah. And I just think it would come full circle. The world is, the world is, it's a tough place. Right. I don't know when people are listening to this, but right now as we're recording this, there's, I don't know, there's lots of stuff going on in the world that isn't great. Mm. And I think people have forgotten that they've, they are the the golden Buddha inside. So thanks for reminding them, mate. And uh, thanks for writing your books. And I guess in 10 years time, there'll be clarity three. Well, when it's fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> well, you'll be floating, mate. You'll be <laughs> off the ground there. With yeah, your but, I'm still here. It's a good day. <laughs> okay. So Jamie Smart, thanks ever so much for giving up your time. I really, really enjoyed it. It's gone on longer than all the other podcasts that we've ever done because uh, it's been truly worthwhile. Thanks, fella. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for listening to the Art of Brilliance podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe and tell the world. A nice review would make our day. That's the very best way of getting like-minded people to tune into our very simple messages about happiness and human flourishing. If you've hated it, please keep quiet. <laughs> Remember the world has enough negativity already. Feel free to check out our training and the little shop of happiness at artofbrilliance.co.uk. Thanks again. See you next time for another amazing episode.